fate is something that I feel our contemporaries in this world have a lot of trouble accepting. And I don't know about you, but I grew up feeling like I was completely in control of what happens to me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, it, it actually held me back spiritually to believe that, to think it was all up to me. That also mm-hmm. meant I thought I was like as, as powerful as beings get in the universe, right? That like there, there couldn't be any forces with more control over my destiny than I have because it was on me. And it wasn't even like a, like a theological belief. I guess it kind of was, it was more like an atheist belief. It was like, (laughs) it was like a belief that I had, it was like a moral virtue thing from Mm -hmm. my upbringing. It was like, I have to control my own destiny because no one else will. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people, like most people around me, and I'm including like the internet full of people from all over the place that I interact with, go through life like that. And I suddenly realized one day that it wasn't true. This is a very fast forwarded version of what happened. Uh, And I assume something like that happened to you too. Or did you believe that fate was, was like a, like a grand thing written in the cosmos the whole time. How did this go? No, no, I definitely didn't believe that it was all faded all the time from a young age or anything like that. I think similar to you, I felt like everyone else does, like you are the ruler of your own destiny. And not only like that you are that, but you have the responsibility to be that for yourself and that you are the only one who can determine where you're going. And of course, other people are going to influence that path, but ultimately it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered astrology and my world blew up mm-hmm. <laughs> and my concept of fate and the deeper I got into astrology, the, the deeper my concept of fate really got. And mm-hmm. I started thinking about it all of the time, not something that I had ever really thought about before. And then it was just occupying every inch of my brain space. Mm-hmm. And I think especially when you learn certain techniques in astrology, you just go deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. And now it's it's more of a question of, do we have any uh-huh. agency in free will? Or how? What, where is the, uh, the divide? Is it 90-10? Is it 50-50? And I think we all fall on different ends of that spectrum, but I'm probably a little bit more on the deterministic, faded 90% side of things. Ooh, so when you say we all fall on different ends of the spectrum, do you mean everyone has different amounts of agency or do you mean everyone sort of believes something slightly different about it? I think, well, maybe both, but I think everyone believes something slightly different, right? Most people don't like the idea of fate because it takes away their power and everybody wants to have power over their own life and over their own destiny and have that kind of control. And I think when we start challenging that notion of control, people get very uncomfortable. And so I think more people would like to say, oh yeah, you know, fate, coincidence, synchronicity, it's a thing, but it's maybe 10% of life and I have 90% of control because that makes them feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm a little bit more like 90% of things are faded. Maybe we have 10% of control. And if we do, even that can be seen and documented through astrology. So is it really control at all? I, I don't know. That's what I still am wondering about, I guess, and figuring out for myself. So how do you handle that? 
does it is it uncomfortable or unpleasant was it at one point uncomfortable or unpleasant for you to confront yeah absolutely i think it's really uncomfortable for me it was learning cycle releasing which is basically a timeline of your life and it shows every action that not only every action you take, but every action you're capable of taking <laughs> on a timeline, <laughs> which is just, it kind of ruins your perception of time, ruins your perception of control and fate and all of those things. And I think probably for about six months after that, I had a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a time, you know, with, mm -hmm. with understanding and dealing with all of this and the implications of what that meant. But then I reached maybe a more stoic, a more fatigued, love your fate kind of viewpoint. And I think now I'm very comforted by fate. I'm very happy to know that I don't have all the control and that it's not all on me. I think that is a relief, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than thinking that I am the supreme controller of everything. I think it's really nice to kind of enter into a framework where that's just not the case. Can you talk a little more about what you discovered as you were learning zodiacal releasing like were, were you i assume you were talking about you're talking about like you pl started plugging your own life events in and seeing that it was all there and also i mean one thing one thing you could explain about the technique maybe that i think would benefit people is like how it's set to the second what the moment yeah. you're born so like these are these are not these these periods are are guaranteed to happen yeah so these periods are guaranteed to happen because you can put and chart it before the person's ever born mm. and so i think that gives you a really interesting kind of perspective to approach it from is that this would exist regardless you know and then when you use the alcohol releasing you can kind of see peak moments of activity in someone's life you can also see whether or not they're going to be experience subjectively, favorably, unfavorably. And then you can get a lot more nuanced when you bring in, you know, the whole of astrological interpretation into that framework as well. Mm -hmm. But when I started working with statistical releasing, I did exactly that. I am a Google Doc fiend. And so I made a Google Doc of all of my timings. I just basically wrote like a little mini biography of my life and just watched the way it all lined up from the earliest memories I had, I talked to my mom, I asked her what was going on in my life when I was, you know, before the ages I could remember, and it's mm. still checked out. And then you start doing it with strangers. And I think that really messes you up. Because it's one thing to almost have like, oh, is it confirmation bias? Am I just seeing this because I can make it fit, you know, or when you start sitting down with strangers who you've never met before, the only information you have about them is their birth date, time, and location. And you can sit down and say, hey, at age 14, it looks like you encountered your purpose. What were you doing at that time? And they can look at you and tell you. That was when I discovered the biggest passion in my life. And, oh, it looks like you had a really big turning point at you know 25 or whatever it might be. And then someone goes, oh, yeah, that was when I quit my job and moved across the country. Mm. It's like we shouldn't be able to see this stuff, but we can. And with Sadako releasing, you can go down to the seconds. They have up to eight levels now. So you can literally plot your fate down to like the most incremental pieces of time, which just it's, it's incredible, you know, and it, it does change your yeah conception of reality. So I feel like that's, there's a really important point you just made there, which is that it's really when you started turning it on other people who you didn't know that it, that it started to melt your face. 
because like <laughs> because like you didn't you like told them what the astrology was first and then they d- described what their life was it wasn't like the thing where you're going back in your own significant memories and seeing what happened in your own in your astrology that corresponds with the things you already know are significant it's like you're able to find the significant periods in people the lives of people you don't know using this stuff the question i have about that is like you used some phrases like confirmation bias in your explanation. I'm, I'm wondering if your approach to understanding this question of fate was like fundamentally, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but like scientific in nature, like you sort of maybe like had lots of questions and started to answer them by doing this stuff. And, and like, I, I, I want to know what the feeling of kind of ha- of of allowing this to be true was like and like at what point if at any point did you accept it like what was that like too Yeah I think I'm a naturally kind of skeptical person I'm also very open and woo and weird as well but there is that part of me that needs a little bit of proof I need a reason to believe in something and so with myself, it's easier to kind of pass that threshold. With another person, it's going to be a lot harder. With 10 people, harder. With 100 people, even more so. Once I've started doing that with hundreds of people, you start to get into a framework where this is very real. This is acting all of the time. And it's not just for me, but it's for everyone. And so that kind of shifts things. But I think approaching it from that almost, yeah, like data collection standpoint also helped me build my own empirical knowledge about the topic. And I think at some point I do remember a a dinner I was having with my husband at one point and this was when maybe I just finished Chris Brennan's dialogue releasing course which is about 18 hours and just melted my brain off of course like any 18 hour lecture would do much less one that is going to change your entire conception (laughs) of reality and we're having dinner and we're out at this nice restaurant I feel like my husband's trying to just like talk to me about things I just couldn't talk about anything but fate Mm. and I don't know why but for some reason we're talking about this I just keep coming back to that dinner and how I couldn't focus on anything but I think there was this moment when I was just sitting at that table where it kind of just sunk in and I I accepted it and I kind of felt like okay well if this is what it is, then this is what it is. And I think this is where I've arrived to now where it's like, just because it makes me uncomfortable doesn't mean it's true or it doesn't mean it's not true, you know? And if that's the case, then what does it say about me if I'm so unwilling to accept this as as truth, you know? And that kind of made me challenge myself and my own beliefs a little bit more and kind of really made me face up and have a little bit more courage, I guess, to to unpack these different things, because that does really, like we said, remove that element of agency or control in your life. And I think at some point, that's also like throwing up your hands and, you know, letting fate take the wheel at times and knowing that there are going to be ebbs and flows, there are going to be shitty moments, there is going to be stuff that happens, that's just bad that's life. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes it's also nice to know that that's just part of it. It's Mm. just part of your fate and there's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you've done wrong to deserve it. It's just part of the hand you're dealt and moving through that with that knowledge, I think is much easier than not knowing that in advance. So for me, it's, it's very helpful. And I think that acceptance of it in that moment where it just fully sunk in the full weight of it, and it, it is heavy, 
but it also brings you to a place, I think, of, of deep acceptance about the nature of life and the ebbs and flows of, of happiness and sadness and, you know, beneficial experiences and ones that are going to hurt a whole hell of a lot more. Mm. Do you happen to know offhand what the ZR situation was for that dinner? <laughs> no, I don't. But I remember what I was doing was looking at my husband's ZR. And I think that was also one of the first times I tried to apply it to someone else but me mm. and realizing, oh, wow, his fate looks a lot different than mine. And our timelines are very different. And what would that look like for our lives together? If, if one of us is going to have, you know, their career peak at 40 mm. and one of us has it at 70, you know, and how that's going to change the flow of our relationship and our life together. And I think there was almost that coming together of maybe the interweavings of our fate as, as, you know, a couple that was really interesting. And within my own ZR, my biggest, you know, or biggest peak of my life was actually when we got married and, mm. you know, kind of the nature of our relationship starting, which was very fast. And it was very funny because it's very spoken to in the ZR itself. And I think that that also brings you into a different place where you start seeing other people's timelines interacting with yours and just the the interconnectedness of it all is is something that's really beautiful, I think, and really just awe-inspiring and makes you kind of love life a little bit more. Like there's a meaning and a purpose behind all of this. And I think when we feel purposeless, that's that's one of the hardest places to be in. And so yeah, it kind of helped me get to a place of purpose and acceptance of of everything, I guess. Something I want to get stated for the record is that like you're you're a professional at this. Like you're doing this every day for people, lots of people, right? Day in and day yeah. out. So yeah. the uh, th the question I have about that, and maybe even well, actually, let me first ask like what when did you decide to practice astrology before? you learned ZR or how, how did that, how did this particular technique interact with your sort of overall interest in doing this? I found it pretty early. I think in relation to when most people probably start to learn zodiacal releasing is usually a couple years in, you usually have a pretty solid foundation. And when I was starting, I was just watching random astrology podcasts, you know, different episodes of their their thing. And and one of them is a four-hour lecture on zodiacal releasing. And that was weirdly one of the first things I learned. And mm. so I was working with it on a very baseline level without really understanding the implications. Mm -hmm. And then I took the course mm -hmm. and got that really deepened understanding of it. And then I think that shifted kind of the way that I approached it as a whole, because it stopped being this cool technique that could tell you when, you know, you're going to get a job and it started being about fate mm -hmm. and about the underlying mechanisms of reality and our world. And I think there was that kind of shift, um, in my astrology journey as well, where it stopped being like this more hobby kind of maybe superficial materialistic form of astrology. And it started deepening into something that changed my entire framework and brought me into a much more spiritual mystical kind of relationship with the world and the cosmos and even just the concept of fate in general mm. really beautiful answer and and leads perfectly into the question i thought of first which is like this is very central to why 
you do this, not just why, but how. And, and it's, it's like, it's like core. I mean, you've lectured on this topic. Like you're, you're, you're like really, really serious about the, about ZR as a technique, but like the implications of ZR as like one of the most powerful things about astrology and, and one of the, one of the sort of things that you're kind of taking people through day in and day out as an astrologer for clients. And, and I, I feel like there's a sort of doctor healer, uh, like role there for helping people with this relationship to fate that, that, you know, I, I think we both agree is, is something that people either haven't processed or are running away from, or like culturally speaking, like a, the relationship with fate is not, is very unhealthy. And you're like mm-hmm. bringing people back to health and are well aware of how like crazy and disturbing and, and upsetting that can be. And you have like a bedside manner about it. I feel like, and and, and I, I, I want to hear about kind of the job of astrologer, but not really in like a career sense in more of a like cultural sense. Like, do you, do you see yourself mm-hmm. as like taking responsibility for helping people with that? Yeah, I do because I'm talking about it all the time and I'm mm-hmm. teaching it. And so that onus of responsibility falls on me to do that responsibly. And I think with this kind of technique, and it's something I talk about in my lecture is this isn't a game. Like once you get to ZR, this is not something you can unlearn or unknow. And I think it needs to be approached with caution in that respect. And one of the questions I always ask my clients before I pull up their zodiacal releasing is if they're comfortable looking at dates, because if they're not, I won't show them. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to meet people where they're at with that because they can piece things together as well. The second that you've told them you're going to have, you know, a malefic period and a fixed sign Well, you open their thing up and they're in a 30 year Aquarius period. And they know this 30 year period is going to be really difficult not everybody needs to know that. And so I think, you know, guiding people through the level of fate that they're ready to accept at that moment Mm -hmm. is also key while maybe showing them what is possible and what is really incredible about astrology is that it can validate and affirm all of our life experiences. And I think that is the gift that it can offer. And that is the gift that I try to show people as an astrologer is, hey, like this thing is really cool. And also, you know, those really hard times in your life, they were really hard. Mm. Like, that's okay. We can see that you're not making it up. You're not over exaggerating. It does look like it was shit. Mm. And sometimes people just need to hear that piece of information. And that gives them the sense of peace and acceptance. And kind of like we said, it, it takes that, that responsibility off of you a little bit where you don't feel like you're the one steering the ship and you're responsible for if it crashes or not. Sometimes it's just going to crash. And all you can do is kind of like pick up the pieces and rebuild and and move forward as best as you can. And so that's kind of what I like to guide people through, showing them where are you in the map of your life, you know, in the timeline of your life. And how do we either, you know, work towards what's coming, accept what's come in the past and, you know, really move through the current moment with as much, you know, I don't know not agency as we can, but maybe acceptance of the current moment and understanding of the ebb and flow of that time frame, and just doing what we can with that information in the best way possible. You're not bound to this answer. You can change it later today. You can change it tomorrow. Uh, you can change it in 10 years. But what do you think is happening 
here? Like, what's what is the shape of the universe that is causing all of this? Oh my gosh, just a small little question, right? Um, I wish I had a really eloquent answer, but I just don't think I do. I think I am engaging with different ideas about what it is that's going on here and trying to find the one that fits with my worldview and my experience of it. But for right now, I guess I'm kind of more on the Plato myth of Ur, you know, we all have a soul, we choose maybe certain things before we're incarnated. I actually have this very weird theory that potentially <laughs> the separating aspects in our chart are what we decide and the applying aspects are what we don't know coming into birth. <laughs> That's just a random thing that I've been thinking about for a long time. And so I think maybe we, you know, then we incarnate, we forget some things. And then, you know, the journey is the rediscovery of our purpose, of our calling. And, you know, James Hillman's theory of like the acorn is really what I kind of attach onto of like, we all have an inborn purpose. And a lot of our life is kind of figuring out what that is and seeing what image our life is formed around and actualizing that purpose in whatever way we can. And that's going to look very differently for each person, depending on their experiences, depending on their birth chart and all that good stuff. But I think it's kind of about doing your fate. Like that's kind of what I say to people. And a lot of times people say, well, if everything's faded, then I'll just sit on the couch and I won't, I won't do anything then. And I'm like, okay, try, try for five days, go sit on the couch and do nothing. You're going to be itching to get up and go do something. Whatever that something is, is probably connected to that underlying, you know, diamond or acorn or the fate, you know, your destiny calling. And that's what fate's pushing you towards.